If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Concerning what he has provided for you and his promises. It's really wonderful. So many wonderful promises from God to us. And it's important that we see these things that, that he has made available so that we'll have a desire for those things. And once we have a desire, we seek those things so that we can live in the realities of his promises. His promises are not to just look at and put in a nice little leather book and put on your shelf in your house and look at once in a while and go, boy, he sure did promise a lot of good stuff. Uh, But actually to live these things, to experience them in your life, that's what God meant in giving us those promises that we could see them fulfilled in our lives here. Hallelujah. And so there's many wonderful things. And today we're going to look at what God has said concerning healing, concerning healing, specifically your mind and your body. You know, God has said, you are healed. He said it like this, by his stripes, you are healed. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is look what God has said, what he, what he has provided for us in this area of healing, how he did it, um, and his whole attitude towards it. And there's lots of questions concerning the subject of healing. I've had questions of my own about it. Um, and, and because we, we've all been part of circumstances or situations in somebody's life where healing was either manifested or it wasn't, Right? Either, either they received healing or they didn't. And so it causes, it causes us at times, if we're not careful, to question by reason of experience or circumstances. Um, and that is never, ever a good place for us as believers to be. We're not called to exalt anything above the truth of the Word of God. But men do it. Men do it a lot. Um, because doubt comes in and, and, and because we don't understand something, uh, many times it becomes a a questioning game rather than a resolve that, no, God has said it, and that's the truth. Despite what we see, despite what we experience, God's word is true no matter what. Amen. Amen. And so uh, I want you to take your Bible now and turn over to 3 John. 3 John. Now, 3 John is toward the end of your Bible, the end of the book, right before Revelation. There's, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but 3 John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are toward the end, right before Jude and Revelation. All right, First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John, Jude, Revelation. So, um, I, I'm I'm going to present this to you today because we believe here at One Cause Church we believe in the demonstration of the gospel as well as the preaching of the gospel, and the demonstration looks something like this: Jesus said to those who believe Him, "Whoever believes." on me will receive everlasting life, right? And he says, these signs, Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll, they'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And I believe that those things are in full force in believers' lives today. Now, not all believers access those things or receive those things to work through their lives. But the fact is, it's still the truth. Amen. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes, experience by laying my hands on people and seeing them healed. And uh, I want all of us here today to just get our lives full of faith, our hearts, our minds, everything full of faith, because next Sunday, we're going to lay hands on sick people. And I'm asking you to bring them to church. Somebody that you know that is suffering in their body of any kind, nothing is impossible for God. Amen. And I believe that we're going to see great things happen next week. Yeah. All right? So today, but I want today to help you to help you get some resolve in your heart concerning this, because God's already made up his mind concerning healing. He's not making up his mind as he goes. He's already made it up. Now, we have to see what his mind is made up for, what he has made up his mind to. (laughs) Amen. Praise God. And the way we we see God is we see Jesus. Whatever we see in Jesus, that's what we see in God. Right? He is God come in the flesh. Hallelujah. Now, There are three very special men that hung out with Jesus. Jesus had 12 disciples, but there were three special guys in that group known as Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John got to experience actually some special miracles that the other guys didn't get to. They got to see Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. If you remember, he only took those three, shut everybody out of the room, and it was Jesus, his three disciples, and Jairus and his dead daughter. Jesus raised her from the dead. We also know that these three were there when Jesus was transfigured. And he was seen in all of his glory on that mountain. Him, 
Moses and Elijah, only Peter, James, and John got to experience that really special moment. But then there's this, among those three, there was John, who was the best friend Jesus had. John was the man who lived his life closest to Jesus. Matter of fact, the scripture teaches us he's so close to him that he laid his head on Jesus' chest. Very dear friend. And John even described himself in writing the, the gospel of John as the disciple that Jesus loved. I love that. Man so confident in the love of God for him that he titled himself, he called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. He never said that Jesus didn't love the other guys. He just knew that he loved him. Hallelujah. He was so blessed by that. Matter of fact, and we see, we see the proof of that as when Jesus was on that cross, John's the only guy that's there. Out of all the disciples, the other guys split for fear. But John later taught us, John later taught us in his writings that perfect love casts out all fear. John, knowing that he was loved, stood there at that, the bottom of that cross with no fear. And Jesus reciprocated in that relationship that John was especially dear to him as, he, as he's hanging there on the cross, he handed over the care of his mother to John. And the Bible says that from that day forward, he took Mary into his home, John did. So it's very, very good. So if anybody in the scriptures, out of all those who wrote, if anyone understands God's position on healing and Jesus' attitude towards it, it's going to be this guy. So I wanted to start with him to see what he writes in, in uh, the later writings of his life. In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So he makes a differentiation between soul heal, health, soul prosperity, and physical healing and prosperity. It's important that we understand this. All God's healing, as a matter of fact, the truth is our spirits were not in need of healing. Our spirits were dead. They weren't sick. They were dead. We were dead in sin. Our, we needed more than healing. We needed new life. So God, through Christ, if anyone is in him, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things have been made new. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. So, and, and he took us further than being a sinner saved by grace. We were a sinner but now we are saved by grace. Those two are not the same thing. To say I'm a sinner saved by grace is that Jesus really washed my outside good, but man, down deep inside, I'm still just an old sinner with a new paint job. Right? No, 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 no. He made me a new creation in Christ. I've been born all over again. Matter of fact, it was my inside that got right, and I've got to make my outside live that reality that happened on the inside. I mean, he thoroughly saved us. Spirit soul and body. Amen. So I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, but now praise God, I'm saved by grace. Now that doesn't, t I'm not saying that I don't ever sin and don't look at me like you never do either. I've hung out with some of you. <laughs> but the Bible teaches us as believers that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we confess our sins. We know he's faithful and just to forgive us. I love that. It doesn't say that God is faithful and merciful to forgive us. That seems like that, that'd be more correct. But it actually says he's faithful and just to forgive us. That is, in God's mind, it's only right that he forgives you. Why? Because of what Jesus did. Because Jesus thoroughly cleansed you from sin by the shedding of his own blood. So it's not right for him not to forgive you because all the penalty and all the punishment of the sin, the judgment was passed on his son. Jesus carried out the sentence of your judgment. So he can't charge you again for what Jesus paid for. It's not right that God does that. So he's faithful and just to forgive you. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. See, it's important that you understand that. Because if you'll understand that, if you'll know, how many of you believe that God always forgives? Yes. How many of you believe that there's not one person, not one sin that God will not forgive, that God cannot forgive, all right? We know that Jesus' blood is more powerful than any sin. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we're sin abounded, grace much more abounded, all right? So we don't have any question in our minds if we come to God that he will forgive us. There's no question. But there's a lot of question if we come before God, will he heal us? But I want to just help you today. In the very same afternoon that blood was shed for your sins, stripes were laid on his back for your healing. Yeah. The same day. This is all the same event. 
So just as sure as you can be about your sins being covered, you can be sure of you being healed. Yeah. Now, let's take, let's, let's see what Jonathan, now I want to I I look at, I believe, the amplified version as well on this scripture. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Amen. Now, I don't believe that there's any group in Christianity across all the denominational borders. I don't believe anyone as a believer would ever question that God can heal. I don't think anybody has a problem with the fact that God can. How many of you believe that God can heal? Right? I, mean, I mean, if he can raise you from the dead, if he can make you a whole new creation, healing is somewhere way down the list from that difficulty, right? I mean, it, it, it's nothing for him. He can but the question many times is, is it God's will for you to be healed? Because there's a belief out there. There's all kinds of doctrines and beliefs on, on the subject of healing. People say things like, God heals some, but he doesn't heal others. Or there's no real rhyme or reason to God choosing to heal someone or choosing not to heal someone. Like we all have a name, our name on this big wheel in heaven, this lottery wheel. And God spins the wheel, and if it lands on your name, surprise, you get healed, right? And it's all determined by his sovereign choosing, right? Stay with me. I'm going to help you. People say things like, well, you, you just never know what God's going to do. I guess some of y'all have said that because it got real quiet. Okay. God, or or God, God brings sickness to teach people. God brings sickness to teach people so that they'll, you know, whatever process they need to go through, that in the end, see, that they'll learn and God will receive the glory. I've heard people say, I'm sick to the glory of God. God brought the sickness so that he'll be glorified in me. Now, my question is, is, is it really true that God makes some people sick to teach them and to bring glory to himself? Well, we have to, we have to look in the scriptures, but I want to I help you today that Christianity is, I like what C.S. Lewis said about Christianity, it is the thinking man's religion, all right? Through truth and reasoning, that we can actually apply our brains to our faith as well, all right? And let's just think some things through for just a moment. Can you, can you come with me here? All right, let's just think. If that's true, if you believe that God bring, has brought sickness or some kind of ailment into your life or disease to teach you something, then you, then you, don't, you don't want to go try to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You don't want to fight it by going to the doctor. Right? Because that's actually disobedience to what God wants to do to you. Yeah. What he wants to do through you. He, if he brought the sickness, why take the medication to fight him? Or show up at the doctor and drag all the nurses and doctors right into your disobedience. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, let's just think this thing through. Why do we say stuff like this? Why do we say things like that? But the, the truth is that people might think that in their minds or believe that in their minds, but in our hearts, we all know better. We all know better. The very same people that build hospitals with their names on them. I'm not going to pick on any denominations. I'm just going to say denominational names on them are the very same people that tell people that God brings sickness, but you can come over here and you can get well. That doesn't make any sense to me. That's just not truth. That's not truth. That's not honest. Now, there's, there's, there's a couple of reasons why that happens. Either people are extremely ignorant of the Word of God, or they believe that they have a higher standard than God. That God made you sick, but come over here. We'll give you medicine to make you better. Poor God picking on you. Right? No, if you believe, now I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. I believe doctors are here because God gave us the ability, the knowledge for medicine to help better people's lives. Yeah. All right? I'm not telling you not to. I'm not telling you not to take medicine. I would never, ever tell you that. Amen. I'm just telling you, if, it's, if, it's, if you believe that God is doing it to you, then why would you do anything contrary to what he is bringing into your life? Because in your heart of hearts, you know better. We all know that our heavenly father is a good God. He is a good God and he doesn't want anybody to suffer. As a matter of fact, you don't want anybody to suffer. You don't want your, your kids to suffer. Right? Where did you get that thought? Where did you get that nature? 
from your heavenly Father who created you in his image. Amen. So it is God's will then. Is it God's will? That's my question. For God to heal me or for God to heal you. Keep, stay with me. You and I can do a lot more for the kingdom of God in prospering and being in health than we could being broke and sick. That's a fact. Look over at Peter. Let's look at first, or no, Acts chapter 10. We see that John's take on it is, I pray above all things, or I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Somebody that walked with Jesus so closely as he did, and this is his prayer. Now watch. This is Peter now, another of the, of, of the three guys um, he shows up at Cornelius' house. Now, Cornelius, Cornelius in the New Testament is the first Gentile convert. Acts chapter 2, lots of people got saved when the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and they all began to speak with tongues. And the Bible says that 3,000 people were saved. They were all Jews. No Gentiles have been saved up to this point. No, I mean, that is people like us. You know, we make up 99.9% of the world. All right? So by, by the Spirit of God... These men come to Joppa where Peter is staying at a man named Simon the Tanner. He's staying at his house and, and, and they come from Cornelius' house because an angel visited Cornelius because Cornelius was a good man. He just wasn't saved. He was doing all these good things and God wanted to get that guy the gospel. All right, so he sent an angel, said, you need to send people, uh, some men to Joppa. Get, ask for Peter. He'll come and tell you. And by, when he tells you these words, these words, by those words, you and all your house will be saved. So they did it. So Peter shows up at this Gentile's house. First of all, this is revolutionary for this Jewish man to be standing in a Gentile's home. And later on, he had to do some major explaining to his Jewish friends when he got back home. He's standing there. And look at verse 34. He's been preaching for a while to this Cornelius and all of his family and friends. He says, he opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Ladies and gentlemen, at one time, that was not the case, but things had changed. God did show partiality at one time. He, had par he was partial for his people, and that's it. That's it. His covenant was with his people and everybody else. Tough luck. Jesus said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. A woman's crying out to him. She was on the outside. She was not in the covenant. She was from Syrophoenicia. So a Syrophoenician woman, she was crying out, oh, Jesus, please come help my daughter. And the Bible says Jesus didn't even answer her a word. And then she fell down and worshiped him and said, please. And he said, it's not right that I throw the children's bread to the little dogs. So first he ignores her, and then he insults her. <laughs> Not right that I throw it to the little dogs. And you know what she said? True, Lord. But even the dogs get the crumbs. If there's healing in the bread, then there's healing in the crumbs. And Jesus marveled. Wow. Be it unto you according to your faith. And her daughter was made whole. But it was only by faith that she got in. Not by right. Not by covenant right, she got in by faith. See, faith yeah. is the higher law. It supersedes the law. Yeah. God can't resist it. Thank God he can't. Yeah. Thank God. He just can't resist it. He's made yeah. that the way. And so we see through Scripture people from the outside getting in on these benefits by faith, not by right. Okay? Are you understanding this so far? So Jesus said, I'm not sent the law. I'm only sent for one purpose, to, to God's people. But now Peter says... Something has changed. I understand now that God shows no part. God is no respecter of persons. Wow. Now, if you can highlight, if you don't have that highlighted in your Bible, if you don't have it underlined, please do that now. That is one of the most important verses in the scripture because it speaks about you. That God sees you in the very same light as he sees the highest ranking saint in the kingdom of God. He sees you in the same way. He loves you just like he loves John just like he loves Peter, just like he loves James. He loves you just the same way. No less, no more, he loves us all. He's no respecter of persons. So Peter's getting this revelation for the first time. Boy, things have changed since that death, burial, and resurrection. Yeah. Jesus really did change everything. Now, look at verse 38. He says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing Come on, help me say it. All who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. All right, two things that we see that are very important here. Number one, God was with the one who was doing good and healing. God was with the one, Jesus, who was doing good and healing. God was on that side. All right? Now, the other thing is, God was actually 
disallowing the oppression of the devil by curing the oppression. And I'm saying that for, uh, with those words, disallowing, because this is another phrase or there's another, other words that come out to explain why some people get healed and why some don't. Well, okay, maybe God didn't bring the sickness, but he allowed it. He allows it to happen. You hear this all the time. Yeah, but he allows it. Let's just go back to the beginning for just a moment. God spoke to Adam and Eve, and what did he tell them? Be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion. So he put the earth in charge of Adam and Eve, or Adam and Eve in charge of the earth. You have dominion, subdue the earth. This is your place. All right? Then that gave man the authority to do what God said that he could do and that he should do. So then Adam and Eve, over time, then gave up that right to the devil. And they welcomed his influence into the earth. And as, as, as a result of that, sin and death came to all men. And everything that follows behind that, the benefits of sin are things like sickness, disease, all those kinds of things came as a result of that curse of sin. Not from God, but from mankind allowing it. And we got to get this right. God allowed man to rule, man allowed sickness and disease to come to the earth, all right, through the influence of that serpent. So what's God going to do now? Well, can he just, he can, I mean, he's got to do whatever he wants to, but it's, can he just be up there in heaven, though, and just do whatever he wants to here on the earth, knowing that he gave that authority to man? Can he just decide that he's going to do it anyway? No, he can't, because otherwise he makes himself a liar, and God won't lie. People say, don't put God in a box. No, you don't have to. God already put himself in a box. He keeps himself within the bounds of his word. He never breaks his promise, never steps outside of his word. He exalts his word even above his own name. God has, God has put himself in the bounds of his word. That's why he can be totally 100% trusted every time. He's not going to change his mind. He's not just going to do whatever he wants to. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. All right? So here's the thing. He gave the authority to man. This is beautiful. God anointed Jesus. God then had to become a man so that he could show what his will is. And when Jesus Christ became a man, when God became a man, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, then he began to show us what he is not going to allow anymore. As a man, now he has authority to say, nope, that's over. That oppression from the devil is over. So he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. He wasn't allowing it. He was overcoming it. Over and over and over again, we see through the scriptures that God healed every time. The evidence is overwhelming in Jesus' life of God's position concerning healing. It's overwhelming. Now, let's just look for a moment again. Let's look through some more scripture, all right? Are you okay out there? Now, so being oppressed by the devil, according to what Peter just taught us here, is contrary to having healing manifested in your life. He healed those who are oppressed by the devil. So oppression of the devil has to look like sickness, disease, chronic pain, blindness, deafness, lameness, all those kinds of things that Jesus came and healed, all right? All right. Now, I have... I, have a, I love my staff. I'm grateful to, to pastor this great church and employee, employ, and be an employer to employees as well. And, uh, and so I have a responsibility to them to, to make sure that they're doing their task and they're doing their job right. And sometimes it, it takes me correcting things, and, but making sure that everybody's doing what they need to be doing, right, for this to work right. And I'm grateful for the guys I have. They're, not, they're easy to work with. That's fine here. But I went with Maddie Claire some time ago to the Social Security office, and uh, we were getting some documentation set up for her. She's about to turn 16 at the time, getting ready to drive. God help us all. And she, <laughs> she, uh, uh, we, we finished up there, and it was late in the afternoon. It was just before 5 o'clock, 
And so we got the documentation. As we're heading out the front door, there's a security guard standing there. There's a couple sets of doors, just like there are here. Those doors and then the, the very front doors. So we're walking out the, the inside set of doors. And the security guard holds the door open for us. And as we're walking out, I see a mother and her baby girl approaching the, the outside doors. And so I quickly ran to those doors and opened them up. I said, y'all come on in here. And the security guard quickly interjected and said, no, 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 no. They can't come in here. We're closed. Ma'am, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. And so, they, okay. Now, <clears throat> I could have at that moment said, hey, man, do you know who I am? I just said they could come in here. Don't you know I have employees? I pastor One Cause Church. That don't mean anything at the Social Security office. I have no authority there. That guy is the authority for the Social Security office. Don't matter what I say. That guy trumps it. Right? That guy trumps it. Doesn't matter. So that there was, when Jesus Christ came to the earth, at that point, see, then God could institute his authority in the earth again because he had to do it through a man. Hallelujah. Whew, this is so good. And by that man, see, it didn't matter then. It didn't matter what it looked like. It didn't matter what the devil had to say. Jesus said, not, not, it don't work like that. No, you're healed. Okay. Now, go to John. John chapter 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Amplified says this, The thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life. Imagine that. Can have life and enjoy it. And have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And Jesus, this is what he came. He said, this is what the thief comes to do, steal, kill, and destroy. And what Jesus just told us there, me and the devil are not on the same team. But what about Job, Pastor Eric? God allowed that. Yeah, he did. Job didn't have Jesus. You got Jesus. You got a whole different reality than Job. Your life don't even, you can't even compare your life. Why would you even want to compare your life to Job? Job was wishing that he had a mediator. As a matter of fact, he cried out for a mediator. He didn't have uh, the, the, the mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. He looked for that day. Glory to God. You, your life ain't even near. It ain't even the same life that Job lived. You ought to thank God for it and stop trying to compare yourself to him. Going through the trouble, well, yeah, it must be a Job experience. Oh, God, don't, don't, don't put that on yourself. Amen. You live in a better covenant established on better promises. Okay. Life. Jesus said, I came to give life. That is the Zoe kind of life. That is the state. That word means the state of one who is possessed of vitality or is animate. The dictionary definition of vitality is the state of being strong and active. Doesn't sound like sickness is involved in that at all. Disease. Huh? Free of that kind of stuff. Abundant life. I came to give it abundantly. This, this word means much more than all. More plainly superior. Uncommon preeminent. Superiority advantage. We get the language of what God is telling us here. What Jesus came to give us. Oh, how often are we living so much lower than what he came to give us? Glory to God. And the reason is, is because we're not convinced. We're not convinced about it. We're not convinced that what Jesus said. So often, Jesus, when he makes these statements, they're just limitless kind of statements. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea. Whatever things you ask when you pray, and we start going, but, if, and, or. Yeah. Right? We start limit. Uh, no, uh, well, just in case. Uh, but, yeah, but you got to, uh, but. Right? Yeah. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Jesus healed hundreds, possibly thousands of people in the three years he walked on this earth. And the scriptures teach us that he healed all that were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. Are you all right? So if some of them were sick for the glory of God or because that was God's lesson plan for them, then that means that the disciples, as bright and wonderful as they were, had to be astute enough to discern those who were sick by the devil or those who were sick by God's plan. Now, when I read the four Gospels, I don't see that kind of awareness in these guys. All right? It's just not there. I certainly honor them. You know, their names are written on the foundation of heaven. Mine's not, so 
they, they win. <laughs> but at the same time, they're men. Let's just look at a couple places where we see where the disciples just really aren't all that there. Okay? John chapter 14 and verse 7, right after John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. My Father also. And from now on, now watch what he's telling these guys. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Isn't that wonderful? What a truth he brought to these guys. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. And then Philip. Then great Philip says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Did you hear what I just said, Philip? From now on, you know him and you see him. Show us him. Right? Now, we're, it's, it's kind of funny because they're living it, but we get to look back and, and, and learn from it, Right? Let's not be too hard on them. We've misunderstood a lot that God has said. Right? Amen. I see us in this. See myself here. God says one thing, and I think a whole nother thing. Right? Now watch. Let's go over to uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 16, it says, Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they, <laughs> they had forgotten to take bread. But before this, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people fish and bread. All right? When the disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Now watch this. Watch verse, verse 6, what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to them, and stay there on verse 6, Steve, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now we know what the Scripture teaches us about leaven. Leaven influences whatever it is attached. Leaven influences the bread. Right? So whatever's in the leaven gets all, it infiltrates the bread. So what he says is, don't let these guys infiltrate what I'm teaching you. Beware of the leaven because what they'll do, their teaching will be like a cancer that will affect everything I'm showing you. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, all right? That is their teaching. Watch what they get from him. And they responded among themselves saying, it's because we forgot the bread. It's because we took no bread. Oh, man, Jesus is mad at us. How did you? How did you draw that conclusion? Because you thought God was mad at you. So whatever he said, it sounded like he was scolding you. Oh, man. Had anything to do with it. Jesus didn't care. They forgot. Later on, he goes, hey, do you remember the 5,000? What are you guys talking about? I'm trying to teach you something here. But because you think I'm mad, because you failed, because you made a mistake, now everything that I say is about that mistake. Mm. Yeah, there we are. There we are. Judging ourselves. Okay, let's continue. So this is the kind of guys he's working with, right? So the disciples would have had to have been ready to say when, when all those crowds are thronging Jesus and, and many times they had to get through the disciples to get to him, they would have had to have this discernment on them and go, uh, yeah, that looks like devil oppression. Okay, yeah, you can come on in and get healed. Yeah, yeah you're oppressed by the devil. No, 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 no. You're sick to the glory of God. You step aside. You can't get it. You, you're, you're oppressed by the devil. <laughs> no, these guys aren't that smart. And we don't see any scripture evidence that that ever happens. As a matter of fact, we see no evidence that Jesus ever turned anybody away from healing, ever, ever. We never hear him say, well, you know what? You're right in the middle of it, man. Hang on. Learn your lesson. Let God teach you. And then, and then God will get the glory. We, we never see Jesus tell anybody that. He healed them every time. Where in the world, how did this stuff creep in our, in, in our lives? How did this get in people's mentality? How are people preaching this from the pulpits? I don't understand it. The only thing that I can conclude is that they have exalted experience and a creed, a, a set of doctrines above what the Word of God has simply told us, what God has said. He healed all who were oppressed by the devil. Now, we're almost done. We're going to look at a little bit of Scripture right, right here in Matthew now, I want to encourage you to read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're all the life of Jesus and what he did. But look at this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. And watch. 
teaching in the gospel, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. In context, he healed them all. Praise God. Didn't refuse it, didn't turn anybody away. Didn't exalt one disease over there and say, boy, that one, that's a tough one. No, he, he just healed them. He wasn't, he wasn't shaken by any of that. No, who, what's he doing? He's disallowing what the devil has done. Yeah. Nope, nope, I'm reversing it. Yeah. Turning it around. All right, Matthew 8. Verse 1, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. This is talking about Jesus. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. First of all, the leper should have never done this, according to the law. He was supposed to stay 50 paces away from anybody in society, cover his mouth and scream, unclean, unclean, if they came anywhere near him. Had to have his hair disheveled and torn up clothes. Looks like our youth group. <laughs> he had to shout, unclean, 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 right? But this guy... Out of desperation, you know what he's thinking? You know, I'm going to die anyway. I'm going to die anyway. So he comes to Jesus. He gets this news, apparently, about this healer. And so he just says, forget all that. Now, look what he says to Jesus. This is amazing. He felt, and he says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What did Jesus say? Well, look what Jesus did. He put out his hand and touched him. That's against the law. You don't touch lepers. If you touch something leper, if you touch anything unclean, you have to go show, uh, be declared by the priest and you have to go through this whole washing and cleansing and, and, and for however many days, it depends on what, what you touched. <laughs> Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. Now, what's powerful about this is the leper did not say, if you're willing, you can heal me. He said, you can make me clean. That's a different deal. Because the priest is the only one who could declare that a person was clean. And once they had that declaration over them by the priest, then they could enter back into society, see? Because at that point, they're an outcast. They lose their job. They can't be around their family. They can be around nobody. They're a scourge of society at that, at that time. But when the priest deems them clean, then they can come back into society, uh, open up their Facebook account again, and start following all their friends on Twitter and get right back into the social world and, and be a part of society. They can get their job back and go back to the temple and worship. They, they're, 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 a, they're an outcast of the temple even. They can't even worship God if they want to. So now, by that cleansing declaration, by that declaration that they're clean, it's done. He said to Jesus, this is what, the, this is what impressed Jesus, is this man's faith. He saw Jesus as the priest. He said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. That's powerful. Jesus said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Now, not everybody saw Jesus in that light. So that's why Jesus said, now, see that you tell no one, but go, to your, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay? Verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. No, look at this. Look how he responds. I'm willing to be cleansed. I'll come and heal him. All right? The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word. You might just underline that. Only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, those, to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. I have a feeling he's pointing at his 12 guys. Not even in Israel. Right? Faith. This is faith. Yeah, the guy said, I'm a man under authority too. So when I say something as a commander in the army, then that, it happens. I know that all you have to do is say it. Jesus, you don't even need to come there. Your word is just as good as you being there. Hallelujah. All you have to do is say it because I know what, what you're saying then has authority because I know you come from God. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said, you got it. I haven't heard anybody else talk like you, like you talk, and you're on the outside. And Jesus sent that word, and the man was healed. That very same hour. Why? 
Because this man said, you just send the word. Ladies and gentlemen, that's why these promises of God are so rich for us. The word of God that says you are healed, you have to believe that just like that centurion. You don't need Jesus to come personally, bodily, to come and lay his hands on you. You just say, if it says it in the word, it's just like him being here. And that's all I need. That's all I need. I received, I believe that all the authority of God is in that scripture. Hallelujah. If that's what it says, then that's what I say. If that's what he says I can have, then that's what I will receive. Amen. All right, now let's continue. We're almost done. 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. 14, and when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother or his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. Some say that's why Peter denied him three times later on. But he healed his mother-in-law. Okay. All right. Bad time for a joke. He saw his wife's mother lying sick with fever. Now watch. Look at this. Jesus saw Peter's mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. So he touched, the, touched her hand and the fever left her. She arose and served him. It looks like by the, by the uh, language of this that nobody asked him to do that. He just observed it. They walk in. He sees this poor woman laying there with a fever. Oh, walks over and just touched her hand. You're healed. And by the way, I like fried chicken if you're going to serve something. I just want you to see his willingness all the time. All right, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a what? Because a word is just as good as him. <laughs> and he, he is the word, actually. And healed how many? All who were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying... He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. That word infirmities means uh, feebleness of body, of mind or body, uh, disease, infirmity, sickness, or weakness. All right? He himself took our feebleness of mind and our feebleness of body. He himself took our disease. He himself took our sickness. Just like he himself took our sin. All right? And bore our sicknesses. All right? So... It's interesting that it says there in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet. And he makes that declaration there in Matthew chapter 8. Hey, problem here. Little bit of timeline problem. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't been buried in the tomb. He hadn't taken that, that Roman flagrum whip up on his back and received those stripes. He has not been risen from the dead. He's still right in the middle of his ministry. And the Bible says that that scripture was fulfilled right there that he bore our sickness and our pain when he healed people. And he cast devils out of people. He healed all kinds of disease and all kinds of... It was fulfilled there. No, it wasn't really fulfilled there, but it kind of was fulfilled there. Why? Because God had already spoken it. See, when God speaks it, it's as good as done. It's not done when it actually happens. It's good the moment it comes out of his mouth. Hallelujah. That's when it's accomplished. That's when it's done. And Jesus was just carrying out that truth. And as he's going along, he knows that that cross is coming. He knows that that, that tomb is coming. He knows he's going to come up out of that grave. And so what he's doing right now, he's writing checks based on that. He's already given out benefits before he ever even paid for them. Hallelujah. And the Bible says it was paid for. It was accomplished right there. It was fulfilled right there. Hallelujah. Why? Because God had already said it through that man thousands of years before. As Isaiah penned, he himself took our, our, our sickness and our disease. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Yeah. Yeah. What is God's attitude about him? Is it God's will that we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he would not put his son through the thing that he put him through if he was just going to do whatever he wanted to anyway. Those stripes were laid upon his back. That covenant of healing is written in scars upon the back of the living God, our Savior, our King, our Lord. Why in the world would we ever question God's will concerning that matter when he's already settled it in his heart? Over and over, Throughout the scriptures, we see he healed them. He healed them all, 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 all. And all that were sick and all that were diseased were all oppressed by the devil. The devil is bad and God is good. He went about doing good, healing. Healing is on the side of good. Sickness is not on the side of good. Healing. 
Now, I've given you a few scriptures here, but I want to encourage you in your own time, and I pray that you do read your Bible, and I pray that you do study, and you seek these things out for yourself. Look, if you want to see God, you got to look at the man Jesus. Look at his ministry in the earth. Look at what he did. And when you see him, you will see the Father. When you see, imagine, there he is, back exposed, and that Roman whip coming down upon him, laying those stripes upon his back. Now, if I'm Jesus, and God's, God tells Jesus that's, what, that's part of the process, that's part of what you're going to go through, part of your suffering, but in the end, Jesus, you know I'm sovereign and I can do whatever I want. So, so sometimes I'll heal and sometimes I won't. If I'm Jesus, I'm going to go, well, then I don't want to do that then. I mean, if it's not a sealed deal, if it's not a done deal, I don't want to do that. Can we just bypass that whipping post and just get me to that cross? That'll be fine. No, that's not what happened. He was laying down the covenant in his son. The very same afternoon, his blood was shed for our sins. Stripes were laid on his back for our healing. It was all the redemptive work, all part of this better covenant established on better promises by the body, the broken body of Jesus in his blood that was shed for us. Get this in your heart. Get this in your mind. Get it in your life. No matter what, God has said, you are healed. Let your faith rise to that level. Don't let it stop at circumstances that are contrary to that. Don't let it stop at bad experiences that you've had. Don't let it stop anywhere else except at what he has said. Don't receive any less truth for your life. Amen? We just take the Bible and believe what it says, period. And he has said, you are healed. Every head bowed for just a moment. Today, if you're here and you're struggling in your body, I don't care what level it is of sickness or disease it is. Nothing's impossible for God. And I want to tell you that nothing's too great and nothing's too small. And some of you here have, have learned to just kind of cope with certain things that are wrong in your body. Just learn to just cope with it. Allergies, so you take your regular allergy medicine and, or you've got this chronic pain, you get these headaches or whatever it might be. And so you've learned to just kind of accept it. Well, this is this that time of year and well, this is what I always do. Well, this, right? Rather than elevating your faith to a greater level to believe God for total wholeness for your body, that abundant life that Jesus came to give you, where you're strong and full of energy, strong and vibrant with life. It's not God's will that you suffer in any way. He paid an incredible price, an incredible price for you to have healing reality in your body and in your mind. Some of you are tormented in your mind. You need healing for your mind. That's available. And today, if you'd say, Pastor Eric, I want that. I'm dealing with things in my body. I'm dealing with things in my mind that I know are contrary to wholeness and life and healing. And I need that healing power to flow in my life. I want that. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. Just me and you and God, all right? I want you to just raise your hand where you are and say, I want my healing. You're not alone in here. Lots of hands are up in this building right now. Lots of hands are up. I want my healing. I want what God has said that I can have. I want what Jesus paid for. Ladies and gentlemen, today, if you're in Christ, <laughs> glory to God, it is a right of yours to receive healing. Just like it is right for God to forgive you, it is right for his healing power to be manifested in your body. Father, you see these with their hands up. Lord, you said in your word, you sent your word and healed us and delivered us from our destructions. 
And I right now, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the name of Jesus, declare they are healed by his stripes. Everything that is contrary to the word of God must give sway. It must submit to the power of the word of God in Jesus' name. Because Jesus' name is above every name. Every name of sickness, every name of disease. There is nothing impossible with our God. As a matter of fact, all things are possible with him. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Jesus, we believe today. We believe that you took those stripes on your back for the very purpose that we could have healing in our minds and in our bodies. And I declare your people free from the oppression of the devil, free from the effects of that curse in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I declare that those covenant benefits to come into full force in Jesus' name, that from this day forward, God, they will walk in health and wholeness. I declare speedy recovery over them, God. In the days ahead, they'll get better and better and better and better and better. Living in this life and that more abundantly that Jesus came to freely give to us. And we thank you for that today. Thank you for that. One more thing with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I haven't even received the first benefit of my sins being forgiven. I have not accepted that Jesus Christ died for me and that he was buried and he rose again from the dead. I haven't received his salvation. But today, I want to be saved. Today, I want to know God. I want, I want to be a part of the family of God. I need Jesus to save me. I need this stuff washed away from me. I need a new start. I need a new life. I want to know that when this life is over, <laughs> that my life continues. If you're here, just raise your hand. Just slip up your hand. Say, Pastor Eric, please pray for me. I want to be saved today. I want to be saved. I want to know that heaven is my home, that God is my Father. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for these who have raised their hands by, to put their faith in you, Jesus, to save them, to save them from, from their sins. Jesus, you did it. You truly did it. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. 